Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGen Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast sponsored by Draft.com. Join Draft right now and use promo code DGen and get a free $3 ticket for attorney of your choice after you make a deposit, a minimum deposit of $10. If you crush your season-long NFL a league with a snake draft, this site is for you. They're also doing these huge best ball tournaments for the NFL. There's already some tournaments out already. Uh, go check it out. Make sure you use promo code DGEN. Go to draft.com right now. As usual, I'm here with Tyler Tambaline, everyone's favorite Canadian. Tyler, how you doing this week? I don't know about that, but uh, I think Mayo would probably be up there for favorite Canadian. But I, I will say this. I'm extremely well-rested. Uh, I'm excited to be back. I, it looked like you had a pretty good break as well because I didn't see you on the Twitter machine as much. And I'm excited to be back, man. Be here with you. Yeah, man. I mean, I, that break, it, it actually works out pretty well. I, I love this tournament. I know people hate the Zurich, Zurich Classic because of, there's no DFS. It's a weird thing. But I love it because it happens right in the middle of the year. I think we have like 16 events left, and there's been 16 events already this year or something like that around that. Um, and so it's just a perfect time to be able to take a little bit of a break. And I mean, I, you know, I'm like a lot of people. You ever see that Bernie Mac sketch? When I break, I motherfucking break. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I literally didn't – I barely looked at any PGA stuff. Now, I did degen the uh, the Euro slate uh, last too. week. Uh, and, of course, Cash game one again. Yo, Cash is – it, this is a ridiculous run. Uh, this is sort of a humble brag. No, fuck it. It's a real brag. Uh, I'm 12-1-3. and three. Uh, 12-3-1 this season in Cash. I use one lineup every week. So in the in the uh, 16 events that I played, if you include the Euro championship – the Euro uh, – 
uh, tournament last week. I am 12-3-1 for the year in cash. That's really, really good. The only fucked up thing is I am not winning. I'm up for the year, but not as much as I should be when I'm 12-1-3 or 12-3-1 in cash because I've been shitty in GPPs. Hopefully that changes here sometime soon. I know you're the GPP man. Um, what'd you think of the last couple of weeks? I know. I, I mean, I was, I last week, whatever. I mean, the Zurich classic, uh, Ryan Palmer might be the smartest guy in golf because he gets to play with Jordan Spieth two times when Jordan was one of the better golfers in the world this year, this week, he picks John Rahm to play with him. I mean, that's just smart moves right there, dog. I mean, like, like, you know, I want to be, if I'm a golfer, yeah, if I'm a golfer, I want to be friends with like all the top dudes. If I suck or not, I mean, they don't suck. Of course. I mean, Ryan Palmer is a good player, but like middle of the road PGA player. How about that? Who hasn't won in, what was the last week? 2010, 2014. It's 3,300 and something days ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time since Ryan Palmer won. And that was just a genius movie. Like, oh, let's pick the young Spaniard who can win all the time uh, to be my partner. And that shit just worked out for him again. Uh, good for Ryan Palmer. He gets that, you know, exemption, which is huge. Uh, he gets into the players. He gets into the PGA Championship. Uh, so, so really, really big, big things for Ryan Palmer. Rom, it was just another week. Uh, but the good thing is he's got his, he got another win. Uh, he's on pace, you know, one win, at least one win in his first three years as a pro trying to do that Dustin Johnson thing where you win every year for 10 years in a row. I mean, that's not easy to do. Uh, what did you think of the tournament last week? Lots of thoughts. I think, uh, the, the funny part was at the beginning when you said that this is one of your favorite tournaments, but to clarify, it's not because you let the tournament fucking sucks, but it's your favorite because you get a break off. So I, I thought that was hilarious. That's sort of exactly how I felt about it. But as being at the degen that I am, of course I had to gamble on it and, uh, I loved it, man. I smashed the, the Ron Palmer combo. I, I, you know, it was 18 to one early in the week. It really worked out almost identical to how I thought it would. I said, you know, if you're if you're any real type of quote unquote punter, you have to take Palmer and Rom because their first and last name is John Ryan, and the Canadian punter for the Seahawks is John Ryan. So I said, wow, you got to take a you got to take a punt at eighteen to one as a joke, but I was that's, hitting it either way. I just that's the super deep narrative right there, dog. Oh, that's serious like narrative. Deep, that, that's why I, I had to tell that. So I put that out, but then I was talking to boys about it. And I said, you know what's going to happen here is fucking Fleetwood is going to win his quote-unquote first PGA event at a stupid event like this. And he, of course, comes damn close with Sergio. So uh, Mm. cool in that sense. I think you were right. Ryan Palmer is extremely smart. You know, he found a good partner. Actually, it was a – I guess it was like a caddy deal that got worked out between his caddy and Adam Hayes or whatever, John Rahm's caddy, that ended up pairing them together. And it turned out to be a great decision. Yeah, I got to read more into the backstory. I just heard about it late yesterday. But I heard rumblings of it going in, and I didn't really dig into it, so I'll find that out. But I thought that was a cool factor. And then, like you said, super smart to go away from Spieth when he's shit. So to me, that was the ultimate setup. Yeah, with genius, Palmer, genius right there, right? You know, realize he's trash. Go get your first W in over 3,000 days uh, with John Rom. And then the best part, I don't know if you stayed off Twitter that long, but at the end of the broadcast, I'm watching it at 18, they're walking up talking about fucking Popeye's chicken and getting a bucket of chicken. And I'm like, no, they actually went. I saw, and then they I actually saw the, went. The picture went. on Twitter. I, I was like, no way. The boys actually went and got the chicken. So to me, that yo, was yo, yo, that yo. was amazing because I love Popeye's chicken. Like little Nikki with Adam Sandler, Popeye's chicken is fucking awesome. That's what I was saying. Don't sleep on Popeye's, man. Popeye's oh, man. delicious. Then biscuits. Now, 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 if you have a biscuit, you're gonna have to have like a gallon of water or some shit because that shit yeah. dries. 
dry <laughs> as fuck. It's like a hockey puck. <laughs> you know, you're gonna have some dry ass motherfucking biscuits at, at Popeyes, but uh, the chicken is delicious, man. The chicken yeah. is delicious. I love Popeyes. So um, that was I used good. To live, it was bad. I used to live uh, when I lived. I lived in Annandale. It's a little suburb in Virginia. And uh, when I was growing up, and there was a Popeyes literally like 15 feet, 15 feet from my house. I go like all the time. It's probably why I was like 240 <laughs> back then uh, in high school and shit. But uh, yeah, so so you know that tournament was okay. Whatever we got the break, but the week before is what we should talk about. The yeah, CT Pan, I mean, the man. Uh, yes, a great win by Pan. Uh, you know it was good for him, good for CT Pan getting that first win. But the big story was what the fuck happened to Dustin Johnson? Uh, yeah. What 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 happened? How do you shoot seven over on the final day? Um, and you're the number one player in the world. It was so weird. It's like he forgot how to play golf. No. Like he forgot how to play golf for like five holes. Now, the, the, the thing is, it screwed me so much because he was my highest owned in GPPs Same. Um, in, in, um, uh, for that week. And so my cash game won, of course, even with Benny on missing the cut. He was one of my cash game cornerstones. So I only went three or four. Uh, but I had Kuchar in there who came in second. It was easy cash. It was no, no sweat. Uh, it's just the way it's been lately. It's been crazy. I don't know. If it, I'm sure it's going to end sometime soon but you guys might as well ride the fuck out of it until it ends because it's it's the cash game cornerstones cash lineups to the end incoming now we just talked that i know i know i know you should ride this week over four watch i know i'm actually worried about some of my my cash game cornerstone picks this week (laughs) i've always uh, got faith yeah but it's been too good i mean even in euro last week i cashed and i had like no clue what I was doing, and I still cashed in Euro <laughs> easily as well. So, um, but yeah, but yeah, that tournament, like, so, so I was up like five, six hundred dollars, which is a lot for me, you know what I'm saying? It's like a hundred percent return on investment doesn't happen that often for me because my GPPs have sucked so bad. And then every bogey, every double bogey DJ had, I just saw like my, my current winnings go down and down and down. And down. now I still ended up winning like 150 bucks. Uh, I put in like you know, 550, 1700, something like that. So, it, you know, it was a positive week. Uh, but man, DJ, I don't know what the hell happened to him, man. Yeah, I think it's a, everybody has a friend or a parent or one of those people that, you know, you're riding on a road trip and they got, you know, they're coming up on empty on the gas tank. And then, oh, the, the, there's the exit. There's gas right there. And they say, ah, oh, no, I'll just wait till the next one. And then they eventually run out of fucking gas and you're sitting <laughs> on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much exactly what happened. I think you and I talked about it the week before. Um, so it was, again, hashtag narrative, whatever, all narrative street based. And, and you talk about the guys that competed in the Masters and how they don't really do well uh, moving along. And the only guy I think really was <laughs> Cantlay. That was actually out of all those guys at the top that came through here at this event and still finished top three, had himself a pretty good tournament, but even even he couldn't get there or close the door on it and missed some shots along the way at the end. But it was all in the back nine for DJ really Uh, fell apart completely plus six on the day. Didn't get it done. I got no worry about that. I, I think it really is just a matter of think about he had all the sponsors. It was his home course. Of course, he wanted to win and he's RBC sponsored, but it just didn't happen. And he completely fell apart. I don't think he just, you know, lost his, you know, uh, Henry Rowan Gardner Rookie of the Year powers, and and he's not going to be able to play golf again. It was just a bad day for him. Uh, happens to everybody. He's going to come back and be just as powerful and dominant the next time out. It just didn't go. Uh, to see Kucher uh, continue on his run was interesting. Now he wasn't in that sort of top ten narrative that they, you know, the thing was if you competed at the Masters in the top 
or in the final three groups or something, or the, the word is that you don't compete the next week thereafter, and only Cantley made that come true out of all the dudes. But Kucher, man, what a year for him. He's still rolling, the villain. Yeah, I mean, I hate him more than any other golfer in the world right now, but you can't <laughs> deny what he's been doing this year. You can't deny what he's been doing this year. I mean, the guy is having uh, a renaissance season after, you know, backdoor top 10 Kucher all the time. It's not backdoor anymore. He's in contention uh, all the time now. And Can he get a major though, Kenny? That's the question. Can Kucher get a major? Because remember when Spieth took the open from him? I I think a pebble, he might have a chance because it's not the craziest length. Uh, I think he might, might at the open as well. I don't know about Beth Page. Death page might be just a little bit too much for him, but who knows? I mean, the way Kucher's playing, uh, it's pretty unbelievable stuff, and he's a fucking asshole, and I hate his ass. But, dude, you can't deny <laughs> what he's been doing. You cannot. Exactly. I will roster the hell out of him and hate roster him every fucking week. I can tell you that right now. Hate rostering Matt Kucher every week. Uh, and uh, so uh, so you know, it's been a couple of weeks. We'll just, we're going to move on to, to this week and stuff. But uh, first off, you know, this weekend, do you watch Game of Thrones at all, Tambo? No, no, that's where I get. I don't want to broadcast though. You just put me on the spot here now, so it's over. But uh, I want to say on Twitter, I just want to be like, uh, you know, the the new thing in this world that we live in. Imagine not watching, or imagine watching Game of Thrones. Like I don't got time for watching, catching up on seasons with lords and all this shit that's fake as hell that I can't keep up with. I got too much on the go. It makes me zero dollars watching Game of Thrones, so I, I can't be involved. Hey, you know what? I had a Game of Thrones tweet today that had like 300 likes and 50 retweets, and and I, I gained like 40 followers today because of that. So, you know, it could bring you some money right there. It could bring you some money right there. Let's so, convert those guys. Yes, yes. Well, at least you're not the type that like goes about and, and makes everyone know that you don't watch Game of Thrones. What those people remind me of, like the guys who, who brag, about not watching Game of Thrones. It's like from a DC native. It reminds me of people who were born and raised in the DC area who roots for the Cowboys. That that's what it reminds me of uh, for the people who are like, oh, I don't watch Game of Thrones. I'm the better guy than you. Man, fuck you. That show's great. Okay. I love that show. Yesterday's episode was fucking sick. Yesterday I watched Avengers, and I won't spoil Avengers because I know some of you guys can't go out and watch the movie in the first weekend. Uh, so I won't say much about that, except make sure you bring a box of fucking Kleenex because that shit was fucking had me waterworks at the end of the movie. Um, and then Game of Thrones, though, I was spoiled because Game of Thrones is the last show probably ever where everybody can watch, everyone will watch live. Like with, with, with streaming nowadays and Netflix and Hulu and all this shit, you know, Game of Thrones is the last show where you can watch with everybody live. And so I'll spoil the fuck out of it. You know, Arya is the beast. That's all I got to say. What an amazing episode. That's another good reason why it was nice having that little break. We had the draft. We had Avengers Endgame. We had Game of Thrones. It was, it was a great week for a break. Uh, I, it was really hard for me to get in the golf mode today because of those two shows that I watched yesterday. But anyways, as your Game yeah, of Thrones. No, I don't, I don't discriminate either. I should be clear. I, I literally don't watch anything to do with fake or maybe fake or can't be real. So Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Wars, Star Trek. I hate. I don't hate on them. I just. I'm not into any of those shows. So uh-huh. Game of Thrones just falls into that. It's tough for me to get involved in something that I don't actually foresee being real or could have ever been real. So I like. I'd rather like a futuristic show, or like a real time show, than something that happened way back in the day that I don't know nothing about. <laughs> All right. All right. So we're done with that stick. Let's go on and let's talk about. I actually have the Listener League 
from the RBC Heritage. The winner was Pico 3, and he has a sweet avatar of Prince from the Purple Rain uh, soundtrack. Uh, I got to do say, the best Super Bowl performance, halftime performance ever uh, in the history of the Super Bowl was when Prince did Purple Rain in the rain. I think that was the year uh, uh, Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl. Best halftime football NFL Super Bowl show ever. Prince Purple Rain in the rain. And Pico 3 has the Prince avatar. So I'm a fan of that. Let's, let's talk. I like about the Justin lineup. Timberlake one. I see you're, you're a little bit younger than I am. There you go. Uh, J- I did like JT, JT popping the nipple out. You know, that was, that I, was I, I, I do remember that. I, I was in college when that happened. And I was watching with a whole <laughs> bunch of buddies of mine. And I was like, yo, that was Janet Jackson's fucking nipple. And no one fucking believed me. No one yeah, believed me. Was, Everyone it was, was hammered, and, and that was it. That was that was it. it was, I, I, that's definitely one to remember. There's no doubt about that one. But let's go yeah, on exactly. to uh, <laughs> let's go on to Kuchar. Let's go on to his lineup. First, he had Matt Kuchar, uh, who finished second, 99 drafting points, ten thousand dollars. Patrick Cantlay, uh, 96 points, uh, finished third, and he was 9700 dollars. Webb Simpson, um, tied for 16th, 74.5 points. 9,300. He was 20.5% owned. Oh, let's go back. Uh, Patrick Cantley was 19.5% owned. Matt Kuchar was 70, 17% owned. He had Kevin Streelman, who had a great showing. What a nice little uh, pick by him. Finished six, uh, $7,200, had 91.5 DK points. Uh, Eddie Pepperell, uh, 71 DK points, finished 16th, uh, $7,200. And Rory Sabatini, who I loved uh, that week. Oh, that was another great thing from that week. Um, the RBC Heritage. I was winning all that money. I had a, had a fairly large bet for me um, for Roy Sabatini. It was like 15 bucks, which is like a one and a half units for me. And uh, and uh, I had it on Sabatini, top 10. He birdied, or he made two like 20-foot par putts on 17 and 18 to stay in 10th. And then I think one other golfer... Uh, I think it might have been Poulter had like a six foot birdie putt um, on on eighteen, and he would have dropped all the top tens to eleven, and Poulter ended up missing that putt. So that was that was I was more hype about that probably than anything else that happened. Like <laughs> oh, I, I forgot the story. So I'm sorry, Pico. We'll, we'll we'll go into your lineup here a little bit more, but I do have to tell the story. So I was it was Easter Sunday when that happened, and I was I was in my living room. Windows are open. It was a beautiful day. Uh, my neighbors are grilling out and, um, you know, I was, th- that putt was huge for me. So when he made that putt, I literally like jumped up, screamed, started yelling, pounding the wall and shit. Like I was super hyped. I mean, that was a pretty big bet for me. It was like 12 to one, you know, $15, you know, you know, I don't play that much every week. Uh, you know, DFS is sort of my main thing and gambling is sort of a side thing. And, um, and so I, you know, I was yelling and their dog. I think I've scared the shit out of their dog, my, my neighbor's dog. It literally would not stop barking. Like, it started barking and yelping and barking. Like, five minutes straight, it would not stop after I went ham uh, on my house and got all hyped. Uh, so then, I, after a while, I, I heard my neighbors. They were all yelling at each other after the five minutes. Like, it was like a family. It was like an Easter family get-together. Um, and so... Like the father was yelling at the son, who's my neighbor. Uh, the mom was yelling at the at the at the father and the son. The wife was yelling at the dog. Like it caused this huge fucking ruckus. And then like I find out that like 
they they leave because they were so angry about the dog that the, the father and mother went ahead and just left. They bounced on the barbecue. So I actually went next door because I heard this whole thing going around. I heard the whole thing happening uh, from my living room. And when I heard the mother and father leave, I came around next door. I was like, man, you guys were having a great time. I heard a lot of yelling. You guys are okay. And I knew exactly what happened. I was bullshitting. The only reason I went over there was because I figured the mother and father left. They have to have a whole shit ton of good stuff on the barbecue left. And they did. So <laughs> I ended up ruining my neighbor's Easter Sunday and then going over there and eating their food. So it was one of the, it was, it was a hilarious story. I, I didn't tell, uh, I, I guess the dog was the only one that was outside when I went crazy. I mean, they probably heard me banging on the walls or something, but they didn't know that was the reason the dog was going crazy. So basically I ruined a family's outing and then I got to eat free barbecue. And it was one of the greatest days ever because I got the free barbecue, Sabatini hit that top 10 bet. And then I ended up, uh, you know, going over there and ruining a family's lives. So that, that, that's my story about that. But anyways, so Pico, he had Roy Sabatini at uh, <laughs> top 10, 75 points, $6,400, 9% owned, which is pretty solid work by you guys. 9% owned Roy Sabatini, solid work in the listener league. What do you think of, of Pico's lineup? You said it, man. He blew the, the field out. It was 507 to 474 down to 452. So, I mean, it was quite the gap. Uh, well-built team, obviously. You know, you don't get there without it. But back to the same thing I talked about with, you know, lineup construction. He, he had a bit of, you know, the chalk, a little bit of the mid-range, and then a couple low-owned plays in the Pepperell with the Sabatini and the Streelman all under 10%. So, you know, you can say just build with low ownership at the bottom, but you got to get those guys right. He did a good job of that. So shout out to Pico3. Uh, we'll see you, I guess, this week in the three-man we will, for all we the will, cheeseburger money. We will put Pico3 in the three-man this week. All right, so let's move nice. to this week's uh, tournament. You know, it's the Wells Fargo Championship. So the PGA Tour heads to Charlotte, North Carolina this week as golfers play the Wells Fargo Championship from Quail Hollow Golf Club. The course was Revamped a bit for the PGA Championship two years ago, but it looks like the extreme difficulty of Quail Hollow uh, during the PGA will not be in play this week. But that doesn't mean the course is a cakewalk uh, by any means. Uh, the first five holes were all redone or dramatically altered, and there were a bit of smaller changes on holes 9 and 11. Uh, this was a couple of years ago before the PGA. Uh, three main differences is that hole 1 won't be a 524-yard par 4 as the length was dropped to 495 yards, and the par 3 fourth hole dropped about 20 yards. Uh, plus, the course only has three par 5s, not four now. Um, outside the first five holes, the course will look fairly similar to golfers who have played the Wells Fargo over the years. And the president of Quail Hollow last year promised players that the course won't be anywhere near as difficult compared to the PGA. Uh, and, you know, and that's what happened. You know, it, it was a difficult course, but it wasn't the hardest course on tour uh, like it was uh, a couple years ago at the PGA Championship. Uh, the course is best known for its closing three-hole stretch, nicknamed the Green Mile. Uh, this is one of the toughest closing stretches on tour, and no lead is safe on Sunday going into 16, 17, and 18. The 16th hole is a 508-yard par 4, the 17th is a 221-yard par 3, and the 18th is a 493-yard par 4. That's three very long holes, and the nickname is quite appropriate. Uh, if golfers play these holes at even par, they deserve a pat on the back and might be holding a trophy at the end of the week. Uh, on the other side of the spectrum, if your golfers are at or near the cut line coming into these three holes on Friday, you need to say a little prayer. Uh, you really notice the length of the course when you see the yardages of where most approach shots are hit from. Since 2005, 
over 55% of all approaches have come from 175 yards or more. And that percentage, I think, will keep going up uh, due to, you know, them taking out a par five uh, to make it a long par four. Now, Quail Hollow Golf Club is a 7,554-yard par 71 with four par threes and three par fives. The par fives are reachable by the majority of golfers in the field as long as the fairies have a bit of roll in the courses and soaked. And it looks like the weather should be pretty good today. I'm thinking it's going to be or this week. It's going to be dry. I'm thinking it's going to be fast and firm conditions. Um, golfers need to take advantage of the par fives as they are some of the easiest holes on the course. Uh, also, the two short par th- fours. Those are the two other holes that golfers will really need to score on. Those are the five easiest holes on the course. You need to get your scoring done on those holes. I think the par fours are going to be um, the eighth and the 14th hole. So those those two plus the three par fives is where you need the scoring from. Now, you know, you look back, um, you know, Looking at previous winners, the majority of them have dominated the par fives. Three years ago when James Hahn won after missing 18 cuts in a row. Uh, I'm exaggerating, but that's what it felt like. He missed like, I don't know, it was like six or seven cuts in a row. And then he ended up winning this tournament. He was minus nine on the par fives for the week. When Rory won, he was minus 13. When J.B. Holmes won, he was minus 10. Uh, the course played as a par 71 uh, for the PGA Championship. Justin Thomas still shot minus seven uh, on the par fives. And last year was the first year Quail Hollow only had three par fives for the Wells Fargo. And Jason Day still shot minus nine on the par fives. The par threes are fairly lengthy as three of them are in the 200 to 250 yard range. Even par is a great score on the par threes this week. The par fours, for the most part, are very long as well. Seven of the par fours range from 449 to 500 yards. Two of them are from 500 to 525 yards. And, of course, the two I talked about earlier are very short and possibly drivable. Now, typically the rough and fairways are overseeded with ryegrass and blended with Bermuda. The greens are normally Bermuda, it's champion Bermuda, overseeded with POA. Uh, after the conclusion of the Wells Fargo Championship, the greenskeepers actually lay an herbicide that kills all the Ryan Poa uh, from from the course. And the course goes full Bermuda into, until the fall, but we won't see that. Um, now, two years ago during the PGA Championship, the course was full Bermuda as well, but it won't be this year. Now, off the tee, golfers will see narrow to average width tree-lined fairways that are some of the hardest to hit on tour, with an occasional fairway bunker and water only on a few holes. Less than 50% of fairways have been hit by golfers since this tournament began here in the early 2000s. But since the trees aren't that bunched up and there aren't too many bunkers or water off the tee, missing fairways won't mean automatic bogey. Uh, but the rough is, you know, around two inches thick, uh, two inches tall, and it, it can get somewhat gnarly, but it's not crazy. When golfers miss the fairway, hitting it long can be helpful since it is much easier to hit a shorter iron or to the green out of the thick rough. Accuracy off the tee will be useful, but J.B. Holmes won in 2014 with only 26 to 56 fairways hit. And then last year, Jason Day hit less than 50% of fairways as well. Uh, So, you know, it's not the end-all, be-all to make sure you hit the fairways. You can spray and still win here. Uh, I wouldn't avoid shorter hitters altogether uh, if they have good green and regulation stats, especially with long irons and can putt well with good short game and good putting. Shorter hitters can be worth using. Uh, Also, targeting golfers with good proximity stats from the rough could be useful. The average proximity of approach shots from the rough at Quail Hollow is usually the worst on tour. Uh, Another aspect off the tee for golfers to face is a lot of right-to-left dog legs, which could favor golfers who hit a natural draw. 
Uh, on approach shots, golfers will be hitting into greens that are average in size with multi-tiers and massive undulation. Bunkers surround some greens, and water is in play on a couple of approach shots as well. Uh, after having some problems with the greens upkeep, uh, the greens switched to Bermuda grass overseas to a POA a few years ago. Uh, these are very difficult greens to putt on. Over the years, this course has consistently had the lowest make percentages of putts inside of 10 feet. Um, now, you know, looking at good putters inside of 10 feet, it, it could be a play this week. Uh, the stint meter will be around 12 to 12.5. And then, you know, I'll also make sure to check the forecast to see if there is any type of wind or wave advantage. But the weather looks pretty good uh, for the week so far. Tambo, what are you looking for this week? Talked about it quite a bit. I mean, obviously the par five scoring is a big factor here. It's sort of a, a course where you just have to score on those and then hope to do pretty good on the par threes and par fours. Just not make a fool of yourself there and you'll be all right as long as you score on the par fives. I'd probably suspect to see a score around something like minus 12, minus 14 range. Uh, it's not going to be the PGA Championship, you know, where where it's as deep or, or as tough. So I, I think it's going to be uh, a decent score, but not too much. Uh, bogey avoidance for me is always bigger in spots like this, uh, essentially because like you know, if you get the par five scoring, you're sort of going to get you have to get eagles or birdies to somehow get to those scores. So you want to avoid the bogeys and be able to get those even to minus two, minus three scores on the par threes and par fours. Uh, so bogey avoidance is big for me. And then I look a little more at long term than I do at short term, just because I want all around good golfers, you know, guys that are going to, you know, perform well in all, basically all fronts on every, you know, not just stats, but they've got the mental, they've got the game, they performed in majors, they performed it. This is sort of a tune-up, right? We, we t You talked about it a little, but um, the, with the way the schedule is, and this was same last year, but, you know, this year's change where um, Beth Plage back Black is coming up next, and this is sort of a tune-up for that. So guys like Phil... Uh, you know, the Rory's, the Roses, all those guys, they, you know, Rory's been good on his own, but a guy like Rose, you got to get your shit together here. And we know he's a great golfer and we know he's got the skill and that's why he's ranked top three in the world at all times, basically right now. But at the end of the day, this is a course to prepare on and get ready for it. So all around game is what I'm looking at as a general sense. I will put the putting in there like you talked about, because they've got to be able to putt. All right, that sounds good. Let's move on to this field. And let's start with the 10K and up golfers. I think we have Hideki Matsuyama all the way up to Roy McIlroy. And I'll go first. Now, here's the thing. I've been struggling with GPPs here lately. I mean, the cash has literally been saving my life. And that's that's what I'm best at is cash games. But I haven't been this bad at GPPs in so long. So I'm thinking about making a little bit of a, of a, of a change just for this tournament. Um, Roy's probably... The play, uh, you would think, right? I mean, you think in this course, longer course, driver-heavy course, um, you know, it, it, this is something that he would be good at. He's been really good around the greens here recently as well, and the short game has been good. Everything is pointing to Roy McIlroy, and I expect that he would probably be one of the highest owned, if not the highest owned, in this uh, group of five golfers. I think I'm going to play Jason Day instead. Um and, 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 and history goes against me here because, like, guys who have won the, this championship have really performed poorly the next year. But I think Rory is going to eat up so much of the ownership up top that Jay, Jay Day will be under 15% owned. Um, and I'm not an ownership guru. I'm guessing here. but I, And I think 
the way he's been playing, um, he, he had a, he's had a decent run, even though he didn't play that well uh, last week uh, with at the Zurich Classic. I'm not even counting that, really. Uh, but like before that, he finished fifth of the Masters, eighth of the Players, fourth of the AT&T, fifth of the Farmers. The guy's been having a great season. People hate him because of his injury shit and stuff like that, and I think that lowers his ownership a little bit sometimes as well. Uh, I think I'm going to play Rory instead of of – I'm going to play Jason Day instead of Rory, even though everything in my mind is saying I need to play Rory. Uh, it's been such a struggle that I need to switch things up. So I'm going to play Jason Day, and I'm going to play Justin Rose. Uh, I think those two guys are going to be the lowest-owned guys here in this in this 10K range, and I think both can still pop. The big thing about Rosie is uh, his putter has been so good this year, and this is the place where, you know, putting is – really important uh even though the game has not been there for justin rose here in, in the last few weeks he's been you know top 25s miscut stuff like that uh, i think this is the, where he can rebound um so i'm gonna go those are the two guys that i am targeting uh right now and i could change my mind and pussy out because that's not normally my style uh going against the grain everyone knows me as the chalk king um but i think that's what i'm gonna do this week uh try and switch it up a little what do you think tambo don't mind it. Um, here's the thing. I, I'm kind of with you there, and I know I just pop, pumped up Rose and said, you know, he's got to get his shit together and figure it out. But And I, I do really like that price. I got to wait and see what his ownership comes in at because at 10-3, I can start my lineup with Rose, and I'd have no problem with that. <coughs> but as it stands right now, the way I'm looking at these top five is I'm not going to play much Matsuyama. Um, the thing about him is that it's his price creeped up there now, right? He's got 10-1. He's the fifth highest price on the board. He's four for four made cuts, but it's 76th, 11th, 20th, and 38th. Not even at the same setup. So to me, at this setup last year, he got 76th. The the guy has all the stats. He's always going to pop for people. But for me, it's not the guy. If anything, I would be playing Rose there. But the ones I love the most are Rory and Ricky. That will be popular. But I also think when we get to this next range, you'll see – that a lot of people are going to be looking at balanced lineups and balanced constructions. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how the whole week shakes out, but I think there's enough value to still make it work for a stars and scrubs. And we'll see. Sometimes people do that way, but you've seen it a lot of times, like with DJ, where you think he's going to be 30 and he's 18 or something or 22. People just can't get to the build they like as much as when they start with someone like get your phenols and your fills in there, which we'll talk about. I love that you brought up Jason Day. He's the guy that I had marked. It was sort of between him and Rose if I'm picking three guys up top. And that's just the way I do it. You don't have to do it that way. But I, I already knew I wasn't big on Matsuyama. I was uns- I knew I was sure on Rory and Ricky, but I was unsure on Day and Rose. And the selection I made was essentially Day for the same reasons you said. It almost looks like one of those spots where more people will go to Rory, so I'll still be able to get good enough shares of Day where I'm different. Um, he's been solid. He, you know, he's coming in all right, coming in off of a fifth. He's three for three made cuts here with the win last year, so that's his long term with the win. Uh, and he's eight hundred bucks cheaper than Rory, and it's one of those spots where people just aren't going to play day based on he won last year. Even though that should be more of a reason. I mean, oh, it's tougher to execute and pull it off, but he's got a way better short game uh, than a lot of these guys. So, and he can putt, man. He can he can put it around the green. Good with his driver here. Like like you said, he can spray it a bit, which he can do sometimes. So I'm okay with that. So Day's my favorite GPP play uh, out of the three of them, but I really like Rory and Ricky more. 
I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. At General Motors, we make more than electric vehicles. We're helping to make the world a safer, more inclusive place for all. As the first automaker to support the Equality Act, General Motors celebrates and embraces diversity every day, especially during Pride Month, which is why we're proud to team up with iHeartRadio to support Can't Cancel Pride and the LGBTQ community. Because everybody in means everybody. Learn more at gm.com. Or out of the top five. Okay, yeah, I mean, I would say that the first two that popped in my mind were Rory and Ricky as well. But like I said, I'm going a little bit off the wall this week just because I've been struggling so much uh, in GPP. So we're going to go day and rose for myself. All right, let's move on to this 9K range. I'll go ahead and start. My my Two two of my cash game cornerstone picks are in this range. The first one's going to be Tony Finau at $9,300. If you look back at the history of this championship this decade, um, a lot of uh, guys who are elite golfers now uh, have gotten their maiden win. Uh, here you look at Rory in 2010. He got his first win here, uh, PGA Tour win. You look at Ricky Fowler uh, a couple of years later. He got his first PGA Tour win here. You look at Justin Thomas uh, at the PGA Championship. He got his first major win here. It's Finau's time, right? I mean, it's got to be at some point in time. And this course seems like it stacks up well for him. He has the length. Uh, he makes enough birdies. His putting has been spectacular this year, and that's why I'm a little bit surprised that he hasn't had more high finishes because his putting has been the best it's been um, probably in his career uh, this year, this season. So, you know, he, he solid off the tee. He crushes par fives. He's second in the field in strokes game par five in the last 50 rounds. He's good at long par fours. Uh, I think Tony has a chance. I think this might be his week. So I'm going him as my first cash game cornerstone. My second cash game cornerstone is going to be, wait for it, Taking a deep breath, it's going to be Philly Philly Mickelson, the, the Adonis Cavs right there. Phil Mickelson is going to be my 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 second cash game cornerstone pick this week. Uh, the thing about Phil here, you saw last year with Jason Day, who hit less than fifty percent of his fairways and hit was in the bottom half of the guys that made the cut in greens and regulation. He relied on short game. He relied on putting, and those are the two strengths that Phil Mickelson has. He can spray it a bit here. Uh, and still be okay uh, with his length and his crazy clubhead speed. Like, I don't know what he's been doing. That CBD oil is making him looser or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah. his clubhead speed is sick right now. He's hitting the ball, you know, far as shit for a 48-year-old man. Um, I, I think – I don't think he's ever missed a cut here. I think he's 15 of 15, if I'm not mistaken, in made cuts here. Uh, so those two are going to be uh, my cash game cornerstone picks. And I do like Paul Casey a little bit. Uh, we saw, you know, last time he played, he literally shit the bed at the Masters. But we've seen him do that before. I'm pretty sure he missed the cut the week before he won. Um, he won again. Where did he, where did he win? Valero? Uh, yeah, he won in the Valero, right? Okay, Valspar. I'm pretty sure the week before Valspar, he crushed people's hopes and dreams by missing the cut as well. So I'm not too worried. Yeah, yeah he did. He missed the cut of the players. So I'm not too worried about that. He has three top threes in his last six events. 
Now he has two missed cuts in that time as well. But I think this is the course where he can do well. Uh, he's the best par five score uh, in this field in the last 50 rounds, which sort of shocked me a little bit. Uh, he's really good from long par fives as well. Good with his long irons, 200 plus. He's solid, hits a ton of greens. I think this is a rebound week for Paul Casey. You might get him a little bit less owned than he should be. And so he's probably one of my favorite GPV plays in this 9K range. Who do you like, Tambo? Couple of the same. You just I was thinking you were gonna leave Casey off, and I was hoping you were because I not because I need to take the pick, it's because I, I was hoping like the general public is gonna do, they're gonna leave him off because of that, you know, taste in their mouth or the poor taste in their mouth, I should say. Uh he, he he's done well here actually his last couple times out. Uh, that are relevant, a fifth and a twelfth. He, he's been good, like you said, beyond those couple missed cuts. And it's a course that's you know just the type for him, especially if we're going to get that minus twelve type score. Even if it's only a nine under, or a ten under, at you know at his price, ninety five hundred, I don't need him to completely win. I'd love a top five. That's what I want out of him, and I think he can easily top five this course. Uh, you know, maybe easier said than done, but at the end of the day, for for his price, him and Finau. Mickelson, the guys you mentioned, I'm on the same guys, but it's because their prices to me are more fair, even though it's only slightly cheaper. But if you look at like Mickelson, 9,100, he's $1,000 cheaper than Matsuyama. And to me, it's a no-brainer play. Like it's Mickelson all day there, especially if you give me a thousand bucks savings. I don't care if it's chalk or not. I'm going to use that and balance myself out elsewhere. Uh, my first T3PO of the week is going to be in this range. Heard a little bit of talk on Stenson just because obviously his, you know, three wood, he can he can put it out there, keep it accurate. He's been a little bit better coming in. Strokes gained T to green, strokes gained approach. Sometimes he can get that putter going. So uh, I'm going to still stick with our boy Woodland that we've been talking about all year. Uh, I like Woodland. I think this is a better setup for him. He's done uh, decent here overall, not with the changes that were made. So he, he didn't play one year and then missed the cut here last year. But overall, he's still having a pretty decent season. And at 9000 it's right on the cusp of pricing. But as far as tee to green, uh, birdies are better, bogey avoidance, double avoidance, uh, strokes game, par five. He, he's good on my on my model for everything as far as that's concerned. So I'm good with Gary Woodland here at 9000 over Stenson, who I think will be the popular name. Uh, my second T3PO is right underneath that. Uh, and it drops us out of the range. If we can move on, I'll take over, Kenny. Is uh, right at right there. I think that um, we're going to see Jason Kochuk again. And, you know, this guy just continues to do it. It's insane the run that he's been on. A 16th, a 7th, a 2nd, skip the 47th and go to top 10. But he hasn't been that great here. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are going to say different golfer, though, so on and so forth. I get that. Uh, there's a lot of you know articles that I've seen out that are already you know talking about him and 8700 uh, you know to me it's a little bit too much. The guy I like, I think there'll still be another shiny new toy underneath him in Sung JM. But the guy I like for my second T3BO is taking the the better golfer, the opposite of you know the better name. I guess I should say the opposite of what I just did with Woodland over Stenson. Here I'm going to take the better name in my opinion, and Patrick Reed. Uh, guy makes cuts. He's got 13 out of 14 made cuts this season to, to Kokrak's 13 out of 13, but he's six, he's six out of six here, and in the last two years came eight and 12. He's typically better on longer courses. Yeah, don't, forget the second, so, you know, don't forget the second place at the PGA, too. That, that's what I'm saying. That, that's where the second comes from. I should say that when I'm saying the last two times, I'm talking about oh, last right. year 
and and then the PGA Championship in 2017. Since obviously different time of year, but when I can have him good at both of those, it's clearly this course, and he's actually solid on longer courses. He, he you know longer courses, he's been better when you look at the the ratings for things like putting. He's always good around the green. <coughs> Birdies are better. Bogey avoidance, double avoidance, par four, and even par five scoring. I actually really like Patrick Reed this week. Uh, he's my favorite T3PO of the three. I'll get to the other one later, but I like him a lot more than Kokrak. So if people are con- going to continue going that route, that's okay with me. Uh, it does seem like that's the case as of right now. It's early in the week. We'll see how that goes, but Kokrak's popping in all the stat charts. So um, other guys here, and then I'll flip it over to you. I still like Sung JM, uh, just not as much as Reed. Uh, and then dropping down, I like Charles Howell, uh, and I like Aaron Wise to round it out. All right. Uh, I'm a huge Patrick Reed fan this week as well. He is my third cash game cornerstone pick this week. Uh, yeah, he's he's number three. He is number my third cash game cornerstone pick. Uh, the thing about him is, like you said, the success of this course, um, and he has that natural draw, which does suit this course pretty well, and we've seen him play well at this course because of that. And then he's uh, the putting and the chipping is big. We saw what Jason Day did last year uh, at this course. Uh, relying on his putting, relying on his short game, and that's what got in the W. Patrick Reed is in that same mold. Him, Phil Mickelson, Jason Day, all in that same mold. Uh, and I, so I do, even though Reed's probably just a little bit shorter than those guys. Actually, probably a lot shorter than those guys. But um, I, I still like Reed a lot. He doesn't miss many cuts. Uh, so I, Reed is my third cash game cornerstone pick. Other than that, I am not the biggest fan of uh, this range at all. I think the cl- the course is a little bit too long for Sung JM. Um, I think a couple of guys that I might jump back on after poor performances would be Lucas Glover and Benny on um, their stats line up pretty well for what I'm looking for. This course, Benny on short game. Uh, not many people have been talking about it, but it's been really incredible uh, this season. He's been really, really good around the green. Just looking at my stats here on fantasy national, um, He's first in strokes gained around the green in his last 50 rounds in this field. I think that will help him out. So I do like the Korean, even though he screwed me. Uh, it made I had, what, four weeks in a row of four for four in cash game cornerstones. And then he blew it for me. Of course, Korean blew it for that me. Potter. Yeah, but I, I, I think uh, I can get back on him this week. Same with Lucas Glover, another guy who sort of fell off. His scrambling short game has been really, really solid again this year as well. He hits a ton of greens, really good on par fours. Uh, T to green is solid. Approach game, really, really good. And his putter has not been as bad as it normally has been in the past for Lucas Glover. So those are a couple of guys that I'll be looking at for GPPs. And I'll probably play a little bit of Aaron Wise as well. It looks like he's gotten his game back in form a little bit after that huge weight gain uh, for all that muscle that mass that he gained. It looks like it's coming back uh, a bit. Uh, so, I, and, you know, he played well here last year. So I'll be a little bit on Aaron Wise as well. But Reed is my cash play. And uh, how, uh, I'm sorry, Glover and On are probably going to be my two favorite GPP plays in this range. Why don't you go ahead and take us into the 7K range there, Tando? Yeah, so we'll do 7,500 and up since we, we normally get pretty busy in this area. But this week, like I said, and backtracking just for two seconds, that's what I was mentioning. So you talked about but the M, Glover, Hal, Ann, Wise, even Keegan Bradley, the Reed, Kokrak, Stenson, Woodland. All, like You know what I mean about how that range is going to be filled up? So I think you'll see a lot more balanced lineups when it comes down to clicking the button. Right now, everyone's going to say, well, Rory's the play. You know, he crushes here. you got to get Rory in your lineup. You might end up seeing Rory just, you know, 20, 25%. It, 
it's not going to kill you if you can build your lineup accordingly and get some of these guys in there. So some guys I like down here going in, uh, Keith Mitchell, you know, we talked about killer Keith on Bermuda. Obviously that's, you know, a spot that I like him. He, he did make the cut here last year. He finished 34th. I think he's a much better golfer here now. I'll get back into him a little bit more later. I'll take some shots on Berger. He fell apart a little bit last time, but but he started out strong and ended up finishing uh, 33rd. But he's made the cut here four for four um, and had some decent finishes. And at 7,700, I think there's some value in that. Your boy waking up the neighbors and causing all the rage with Rory Sabatini. Go back to him. He's playing well. Even played well again this weekend at the Zurich team event or not. It's still, he just continues in form making cuts. Uh, at least five in a row that I know of. And then Streelman, man. Streelman's, uh, well, it will be interesting to see how high-owned he is. Um, but two, you know, two six places in a row. Uh, missed the cut last couple times here. But in general, on stats-wise and everything, pops a little bit on some correlated courses for me. So I like him as well. And then I'll round it out with uh, Roberto Castro. Uh, another guy just been playing well. Solid approach. Has actually had some good results here in the past. Um, before it got all changed over, he had a second tier and an eighth tier. Uh, and then as far as stats go, he pops across the board for me in uh, Tita Green, birdies are better, bogey avoidance, par four and par five scoring. So so for me, I'll go with some Roberto Castro as well. All right. Uh, up top, um, I, I'm a little hesitant, but I think I want to play a little bit of J.B. Holmes here. I think his length will help. He's won here before. Um, I just, it's a sort of a gut play for me. I just think that he will do well, uh, this week. The stats don't really match it up too well, but he's been good around the greens here lately. Good scrambling. Of course, he has the length, uh, to deal with a 7,500, uh, 7,600 yard par 71. Uh, I'll be light on him, but I think I'll use him. Um, Sun Kang, it pops for me a little bit. Now, the thing about Sun Kang is he's been very good at like classical courses, and I consider this a classical course. So he's been doing, he did well at Riviera. He did well um, at, at Torrey Pines and stuff like that. And those are more classical type uh, uh, courses like, like you see this week uh, at Quail Hollow. And he's been on a little bit of a nice run, making a whole bunch of cuts. He doesn't have the best history here, but the golf he's playing now is. Yeah, I don't remember the last time he played here. It's been years since he played here. And uh, I think he's a lot better golfer now than he was then. So I like uh, Sun Kang a little bit. Um, I, I'm in on Rory Sabatini as well, just like you. Uh, the guy's been playing really well ever since I shook his hand at the Players' Championship. So I'm going to take credit for that one uh, yeah. on that one. Uh, and so, but he's been playing extremely well. Really, you know, the last couple of times he's played here, he's done well. I think he's uh, two top 25s in his last three events. Uh, here at Quail Hollow after a long stretch of poor play here. So maybe he figured something out. Uh, so those guys are going to be uh, the guys I like up top. Now, if you go down below uh, in the lower range in the 7,400, uh, 7,500 and below, my last cash game cornerstone pick is in this range. It's going to be Sam Burns uh, at $7,200. He's been having a nice little uh, run here late recently, making a whole bunch of cuts in a row like just looking back uh at his recent form ninth at the heritage 23rd at valero 12th at uh corrales 30th at valspar he hasn't missed a cut uh in, a, in, a, in almost a couple of months so the, the guy's been playing good golf and the thing about it is he's he's sort of like better than kevin mitchell he's like the new bermuda guy uh this guy's one of the better golfers on bermuda uh, on tour this year he's second in strokes game putting in his last 50 rounds 
on Bermuda grass greens. Uh, he finished 55th here last year. Like I said, scrambling has been good. He's definitely long enough off the tee. I think he's uh, top five in driving distance uh, in this field in the last 12 rounds. Uh, he's been actually really good putting from five to 10 feet as well here recently. And that's a really tricky number here. Uh, lots of missed putts. Uh, some of the worst make percentages, uh, 10 feet and under on this course compared to every other course on tour. So cash game cornerstone picks. For me, this week is going to be Tony Finau at $9,300, Phil Mickelson at $9,100, Patrick Reed uh, at $8,800, and Sam Burns at $7,200. This leaves like over $15,500 to finish the rest of your lineup. Plenty of room to do that. Uh, and, and the thing is like this balanced type approach, looking back at my records, the only time I lost uh, in cash this year is when I rostered a 10K guy. I think once I ros- didn't roster a 10K guy and lost. The other two times in the tie uh, where I bubbled, uh, you know, on some double ups, those were all I rostered 10K and above. And so I, I think I'm going to stick with this um, strategy of just being as many guys, you know, like over 8K as possible, over 7,800 as possible, only one guy under $7,500 a week. That strategy has been working really well for me, and I think I'm going to go ahead and keep that going this week uh, for the uh, Wells Fargo. Other guys I do like in this range, uh, Michael Thompson. Uh, now, Sam Burns is second um, in strokes game putting uh, in the last 50 rounds uh, on Bermuda. Michael Thompson is third. Uh, the guys in his been having a pretty solid season, probably one of his best seasons uh, in, in a long time. You know, a bunch of top 25s in there. I like his game. I like the way he putts. I like the way he's been doing. He's, again, another guy who's good from 5 to 10 feet. So he's a GBP play that I like. Uh, Wyndham Clark, another guy that I like in this range. Um, really good at par 5s. Really good at long par 4s. Um, I'm sorry, not that, not that great at par 5s great at par fours and great specifically at long par fours. There's a bunch of them here. He's one of the bombers on tour. He hits it a long way. Uh, so I think he could be another guy that we can look at here. And Joaquin Neiman, um, I think I'm back on his bandwagon uh, for this week. I know a couple of weeks ago he played in a home event and had like a, an amazing round with a shit ton of birdies. Hopefully that brings a little bit of confidence back in him. He's really been good with his longer irons. Uh, I think, again, a guy, we've seen long shots win here before. I think he's another guy who can be up there. Um, other than that, not too many guys that I like. Uh, Denny McCarthy might be another guy that I do like in this lower 7K range. He's actually first in strokes game putting on Bermuda in the last 50 rounds. Shout out to Musonomics and a Fantasy National uh, golf club there for that info. Really good putter. He's been playing okay this year. Good from long, uh, great on par fives, good on long par fives. So uh, that's another guy that I might take a peek at, uh, along with maybe a little bit of Ollie Snyder-Jans uh, as well at $7,000. Again, another good par five score, good long par five score, long enough off the tee. And he's been on a little bit of a birdie run here lately. Top 10 and birdies are better gained in his last 12 rounds. Who do you like in his lower 7K range there, Tambo? Yeah, I missed one at 7,500. I do like Mullinax. Um, same type of reason you're talking about. A lot of these guys I'll talk about in this range are sort of the GPP, uh, you know, driving distance bomber dudes. Just roll it out and see what happens, but have some stats to back it up. So Mullinax is one of those. Um, Clark is uh, my third and final T3PO, so I'll round it out. 
I think like you mentioned with Neiman, you actually, it's funny you mentioned them back to back. A lot more people uh, have been talking about Neiman. They saw his third place at the Latin America. So they're, they're saying, oh, you know, now he's going to come back and do something. I don't like him here on a longer course. Bermuda, I haven't seen much out of him. You know, that's that one result that he just had uh, where it was comfortable for him. I think Wyndham Clark is a great play. I'll probably have quite a bit of him actually in GPP play in GPPs uh, just for everything, everything you talked about a little bit about him. But if you look at some of his stuff on longer courses, he's only played about four of them, but he's rated pretty highly when it comes to par five scoring birdies are better bogey avoidance around the green, even a decent putter. So uh, I like Wyndham Clark here. I'll round it out. So Woodland over Stenson. Reed over Kokrak and Wyndham Clark over Neiman. Uh, as far as this range goes, otherwise, you mentioned Michael Thompson. I like him. I like KH Lee, uh, another first timer. So, you know, a little bit of a, a volatile play, but has some ups and downs. I don't mind him here. Uh, you mentioned Sam Burns. He's probably one of my favorite plays besides Clark in this range. Again, probably gets a little bit chalky, but you'll just have to differentiate elsewhere. Uh, the guy's been good. Even played good last week. He's on a pretty solid run with 9th, 23rd, 12th, and 30th in his last four. Course suits him. They call him Bermuda Burns for a reason. He's a guy that I'm following and I like. And then another guy I liked here is uh, Matt Jones. Uh, Five straight made cuts. Five out of eight cuts made here. Seen the course before. Decent in the stats across the board. I think he's a solid GPP play at 7,200. And then I'll go down. I had one more here. Uh, you mentioned Denny McCarthy. He's all right. I don't mind him. But the other one was um, our boy, HV3. This is a spot I actually will play him, uh, even though he's going to be a little bit popular. I think his name, I don't know how many people are actually going to click him in, but a little bit of the hometown narrative uh, sort of sets up well when it's, you know, with par four scoring, that sort of thing he does well on. Probably won't have a lot of them. I liked your McCarthy call, but what are you going to do here? One guy I had a question about was Chesson Hadley. Uh, he's got the history, even when he doesn't make cuts coming into this course and performing well, uh, rates out on stats on 7,400 plus. What, what are you thinking about Hadley right now? He's been playing so bad, but he's got some results at the API came 17th at the Honda 20th waste management 20th. Like what's your thoughts on him this week? I mean, I could throw him as one of my low owned GPP plays. Like, you know, of course I'm not going to have more the way I do my GPPs is, the lowest I personal ownership I have of any golfer is going to be ten percent. I can I can see him uh, in that range. He, the, he's good with his long irons. Uh, the worry I have with him is his short game hasn't been that great, uh, and I do worry about that a little bit. But I mean, he's not going to be owned hardly. I doubt uh, very much at all. So he could be that you know that low owned GPP flyer that you can take that you don't have to have that much risk on uh, to be able to go ahead and play him uh, if you play a bunch of lineups. Now, if you're a one, two, yeah. if you play small ball lineups, uh, if you don't play very many at all, I probably would avoid him. I don't know if I can take that risk if I'm only having like five, ten lineups uh, that I do, and I'd rather have other guys around him if I'm doing that. Uh, I was going to say, if, if HV3 gets extremely popular here, I'll have no problem going to McCarthy and Hadley. It's, it's not in the T3POs or anything, but I'm just saying that's the, the course history factor for Hadley. And then the McCarthy, just recent form, stats, setup, everything about him. So I, I don't mind those two guys over Varner if Varner really heats up and gets to be like 15% or something. All right. So let's move on to the 6K range. Um, a couple of guys I like. I like uh, I like Hank Lebiota. 
a little bit here. Um, he's been popping in stats for me. His putting has been awful, but he's been really good at long par fives here recently, hitting a ton of greens, been good around the greens. Again, his putting has been horrible, so his scrambling stats aren't great, but he's been good around the greens. Strokes gain around the greens does not take into account putting. Scrambling does. Uh, and Lebiota is 14th in his last 12 rounds in strokes gain around the green, 141st in scrambling. So you know how bad his putter has been. But hopefully that can change uh, in, in a week here where, you know, everyone's going to be putting shitty. Maybe he can have a little bit of a break here. So I'll be using a little bit of Lebiota. Uh, Peter Monaldi and Paul Nadi and Justin Wagner. Johnson Wagner, I'm sorry, I messed up his name. He's a fellow Hokie. I actually went to school with Johnson Wagner at Virginia Tech when he was playing there. Uh, those are two guys I like. Two guys who are really, really good on Bermuda putting wise, and I'm taking, a, I'm looking at putting a lot for these lower, you know, the lower price golfers, the not elite golfers. Um, so you know, I'm using looking at the putting stats, especially on Bermuda. Um, and uh, what's Malnati is sixth in the field in the last 50 rounds in strokes gained putting. Uh, Johnson Wagner ninth in the field in strokes gained putting in his last 50 rounds on Bermuda. So those are two of the other guys that I do like in this range. Um, Seb Straka at, uh, where is he, at $6,600, $6,500. I do like him as well. Uh, you know, a little bit longer guy off the tee, uh, good on long par fours, uh, hitting a ton of greens here recently. Uh, so I'll play a little bit of Seb Straka. And then your Canadian boy, Adam Svensson, pops for me a little bit at 6,300. Uh, again, longer irons. Really, really good. Been good around the greens. Can he get his putter going this week? Hopefully, maybe. If I'm rostering him, we'll see. Uh, that's another guy I do like in the 6K range. Who do you like? Don't like uh, much. I'll throw a few stabs out there because I really like using that bottom of the you know seven to 7,500, that sort of range. Even when I'm going up top, I like still just putting a lot of those guys in and sort of doing like a bottom balance thing. But few down here. So, uh, you know, you mentioned Lebiota. I do like him. Uh Another guy I like is Streb, just based on course history, a guy that, you know, has nothing going on recent form, nothing going on stats-wise, but for some reason every time he shows up to this course, it's like a top 25 uh, at 6800 bucks. I can throw him into some GPPs. Going to keep going, my boy, this season, Adam Shank. Uh, another guy, no real super history here. You know, recent form's not incredible, but he may, he's made quite a few cuts, 13 out of 18. Uh, he can get it out there, so I, I like Shank. And then he's not a terrible putter. Uh, the other guy is just added to the field today, GPP flyer only, but Chip McDaniel qualified in, and they put him in the field at 6400 bucks. He's the guy that uh, went like nine under that week and then went on the next week to finish. Uh, I think he got T5 at that event, then he went on to miss the cut on the number, I think, at Valero. So, again, just a flyer, 6400 bucks. Beyond that, man, there's not too much down here that I like. Uh, I'll dig in a little bit more as the week goes on, but I'll be honest, I'm staying pretty much in that 6,900, 7,000 and up range and just trying to balance my lineup with some of those lower end guys like the, the Clarks, the Burns, the Jones, the Thompsons, all those guys we talked about. Anybody you like down here? Yeah, a couple other guys I missed, probably Dominic Bazzelli. This guy just seems to pop randomly out of the blue. Uh, and of course, where putting is going to be difficult for everybody, he's one of the he's probably one of the best out there. He's actually first in strokes gained putting uh, here recently in his last 12. He's been really good from inside of 10 feet here recently. That putter can do wonders for Bazzelli. He pops randomly out of the blue. This could be one of those weeks. And then Julian Edelaine, I think he withdrew from a tournament 
recently, but before that, you know, he'd been making a whole bunch of cuts. He's been exceptional around the greens, scrambling, getting it up and down. And I think it's going to be a key component this week uh, for, for a high finish. So those are two other guys that I do like in this 6K range. All right, Tam, but why don't you take us in to the betting segment there, my friend? For sure. Bet- betting segment brought to you by betql.co. Uh, you want to go down, go to the website there, download the app. You can get on the App Store or the Google Play Store on Android. Uh, looking at three main things with the app, essentially value bets. So they've got algorithms there that provide you with all the top value bets of the day. Uh, baseball, basketball right now in the playoffs, hockey as well. Uh, they'll have NFL, of course, on there. Uh, good for line movement. Show how the lines move throughout the day or throughout the week in something like NFL. You can see what the line started at, what it ended at. And that's how you know, you know, sort of where to get your bet in. Do you, you know, if you want to get it in right away, if you think the line's going to move, then you can track it along the way. And lastly, they've got the public betting trends, just so you can see where the money's at and where the bets are at in real time. Uh, with that said, Kenny, I got a few this week myself. Uh, looking at, I'll start at the top and go down for, from the the highest odds, I guess I should say, with Burns at one twenty-five to one with the each way. You talked about him. Thought that was pretty good value um, for for Burns at one twenty five to one. Uh, another, you know, I talked about Bermuda Burns. We talked about Killer Keith on Bermuda. So Keith Mitchell eighty to one with the each way. And then the other uh, rookie of the year last year, Aaron Wise, talked about him seventy five to one with the each way. I don't know uh, for my last bet. I just want to ask you: Did you see the guy on Twitter that had like four dollars on? The guy like Zhang that won the web tour mixed with um, Palmer and Rob and Campio and And it paid out $33,000 off four bucks. Yeah, that was sick, dude. So that's like the coveted lottery ticket on the, you know, the triple. I like the doubles. I don't mind the doubles. And I'm going to use Rory this week with some doubles. I'm just not sure 100% who I'm putting them in with yet. Like the, the web odds haven't come out yet for me. I might just do something like a, a little less risky with like a Rory and a Bernhard Longer on the Champions Tour is like five to one and then Rory's like seven to one and at least then you get some multiplier and just see if you can hit it. But I, I don't know. The, I like Rory this week. I just I don't want to bet him at such a, a weak number. So, you know, with Day, Fowler, Rose, all those guys right there, I'd have to put him in with something. I'm going to wait and see. Maybe I'll degen a little bit on the Euro side. But the biggest ones I'm excited for are the Wise, Mitchell, and Burns with those odds. All right, so I'm starting out with Tony Finau at 22 to 1. Like I said, this course has had a lot of elite first time winners. Rory, uh, Ricky, JT winning his first major. Maybe it's Finau's time. So I'm taking Finau 22 to 1. Uh, Patrick Reed at 35 to 1. I'm just looking at the numbers here and the outrights. I feel like that's sort of the odd number that I see with the talent level that he has, even though he hasn't been playing the greatest here recently. His form here on this course has been unmatched here the last couple of years. So I'll, I'll take a peek at Reed at 35 to 1. And then I got three long shots. I'm with you on Burns. I got 125 to 1 on Burns. I'll put a top 10 bet on him as well. The number's not out on Bavada yet. So, but I'm going to have a top 10 and an outright on Burns. Uh, Joaquin Neiman, 110 to 1. I'll have uh, the outright and a top 10 on Neiman as well. And then I'm going to throw a flyer out on Dominic Bazelli just because of his putting prowess. You never know if he can get crazy hot. Uh, and I'm going to go, it's 275 to 1 for Dominic Bazelli. And I'll have a top 10 and a top 20 bet on Boz as well this week. 
Like it. All right, my friend. One and done. Who you got? I'm getting low, man, and the the tank is about as empty as DJ's was that we talked about earlier for me. So I got barely anybody left, and I talked about him. Uh, you know, hashtag hedge life. But I'm gonna go with Coke Rack, and it's not that I want to. It's that I really just don't have very many other people, and like I don't have Reed, I don't have Woodland, I don't have any of these guys at the top. McElroy Day, I've got Fowler. But man, I gotta save him for a major. I, I really think he's getting a major this year. I'm just not sure if it's actually gonna happen. But they pay so much more, so I'm gonna save Fowler maybe for the Open and hope that he can get his shit together by then. But I'm gonna go with Jason Kokrak this week. Who you got? I'm, I'm I'm deciding. I can't decide between Jason Day and Phil Mickelson. Here's the thing: like I, I want a roster. I want to do Phil for OAD. But I'm thinking that like if he does well this week. I might have to use him at Beth Page just because of how well Phil has done at Beth Page and the whole narrative about him, you know, finally getting that U.S. Open. It could happen. This could be this year because of his love for that course and his love for New York. So I think I'm going to go with Jason Day. I like it better if you go with Jason Day, to be honest. I, 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 I think that's I a good play. And I think I, even your DFS call, as far as GPPs go, like you said, everyone on Rory – I don't mind that at all, and we know Day can compete here. So he literally just won the thing last year, and it feels like nobody's going to be on him. So I think that's a good play. The alternative is you X out Rory completely out of your pool, you go all in on Day in GPPs, and then use Phil as your one and done as a backup call, and then just take all that Day money in DFS and win 100000 yeah, or something. Well, what I'm thinking with Rory, since I'm not going to be using him in uh, DraftKings, is – putting a big bet on him, even though it's six to one, because I think he can win it too, but we'll see. I'll have to hedge somehow, but we'll figure it out. All right. So did we miss anything there, Tambo? I don't think so, man. Good, good pod. We got through Uh, everything. All right. Tell them where they can find you, my friend. Gupscorner.com. So uh, new promos coming out for PGA championship. I want to head over there. The, The promo code is PGA champ. One word, no case sensitivity. Um, basically get 25% off either the monthly, the annual, I suggest the monthly just because you're going to get through the PGA championship and beyond. It's only $14.99 a month goes down to $11.99, uh, and gets you set up there for one month. Other than that, find me on Twitter at toe tag and Tambo, hit me up, DM me if you have any questions, go from there. All right. First off, make sure you uh, get on draft.com. Use promo code DGEN. Get that $3 ticket. The NFL season is fast approaching. They already have huge, huge best ball contests up for the NFL. I mean, there's like $100,000 first prize stuff coming up for uh, here soon for best ball on draft. So get on that. Also get on. Make sure you play the golf too because the head-to-heads, they do the no salary cap stuff. It's a really cool site if you're getting tired of this you know, fan duel draft Kings type thing. And you want to delve into something else. It's really worth, you know, a little bit of uh, your time. It's a great site, uh, great people running that site as well. So make sure you get on draft.com. You can find me on powerhourpod.com. I do my weekly article there every week. And of course you can find me on Twitter. I put out a whole bunch of information on there at Kendo VT. Also make sure to leave a like uh, and a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us out. Uh, it keeps the pod free. So if you could do that, if you enjoy the information that me and Tambo put out every week, please take a couple of minutes of your time and do that for us. All right. So that's going to be it for this week. Let's win some freaking money here. DJ Nation, let's go.
The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.